0: So we are we're talking about angels tonight, and on that topic, I, I really want to thank Marcus. Um, see what I did there? Uh, no, man, this guy is just here every morning, every evening, um, singing. Sometimes people sing with, sometimes they don't. Sometimes he has an entourage, sometimes he doesn't. Um, but he's, he's just here, and... I've got it on good authority, it is not to get away from daddy duties, it is because he is actually passionate um, about this, so thanks, Marcus. And, and actually, there are just a lot of things that's happening organically, so, uh, for example, uh, Philip and Richard and Georg on Saturday, they started with the jungle gym outside, um, something that I know, Ivan, you're very excited about, uh, for the jungle gym to be sorted out, and on on I think Saturday coming from scene and them are organizing, I don't know something with the pallets and something with the garden and I see people are volunteering and that's exciting and that is what church is about doing stupid stuff, doing it together and uh, um, even I mean it's funny because I mean Philip and them they are engineers and now they're building a little jungle gym in yeah, their free time on a Saturday, uh, but it's very difficult for the for the parents with toddlers to listen in the morning so that's a gift that they can give so. Um, it's, it's very encouraging. So, hey, we we're finished with this Angels and Demons series. And I am so relieved. Um, I'll tell you why. Because, look, there's a fine line between being under attack from the devil and stupidity. And I'm not always sure where that line is. But this morning, I came here. I was supposed to do this talk and I opened my notebook, and there was just nothing, no notes. And then I realized my lovely wife bought me a few of these notebooks, and they all looked the same. I took the wrong one. And uh, tonight I brought some notes with. So you guys picked the right uh, service, uh, by the way. But but yeah, so, so, so look, we've, we've, we've looked at some of the... Some of these spiritual beings, and we've acknowledged that to, to many of our minds, to many of our, uh, if, if you think of our experience, it doesn't necessarily correlate to that. But, but the Bible teaches that there is this rich spiritual realm that exists alongside our world. And that it interacts on various levels. So we spoke about principalities and powers last week, and and, and and what we said we're not going to go into detail is basically that when when we see evil at work through empire, through country, through um, you know fill in the blank, then more often than not there is an evil force, an evil personal force behind it, and. To many, that seems like a stretch, but that's very much part of the biblical worldview. And and as we are approaching Easter, Jesus thought, um, and the New Testament is very excited about the fact that his death on the cross and his resurrection is a major victory over these evil forces. And this evening we're talking about angels. And I find it very difficult to believe in angels. I, I, I confessed it to some of you, but I find it easier to believe in demons than in angels. Now, maybe I'm just super cynical, but, but or, or maybe the caricature of an angel is just of, you know, such, uh, um, I don't know, it's, 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 it's so that it's difficult for me to believe in it. And often, yeah, at dialogue, we've tried to make it easy, you know, for a lot of skeptics, and maybe you fit into that category, to make it easy for you guys to, to, to not. Um, necessarily be offended by the message and uh, to to basically say look you can you can have your life I just want to introduce God and Jesus to you today and you're going to see that that is um, that's going to make your life better but but that is not doing justice to the gospel the gospel is a whole different world view and it's not just believing or disbelieving in God it is believing and disbelieving in a weird and strange realm and the bible is super strange guys and if you believe in the Bible, you are super weird. We, we need to acknowledge that. It is, um, it is weird, and it is wonderful, and it is something that we need to embrace. As um, theologian Stanley Hoverwas says, that we need to give our skeptic friends a lot to not believe in. In other words, we must share all of this. This is the biblical worldview. It's not just God that you are not believing in. It's all of these various things. Anyways, Angels. Now, there's not a lot that we can say about angels, not a lot that we know about angels. And it's very difficult to make a sermon of angels, but but here we go. They exist, all right? Angels exist. There are about 298 references to angels in the Bible. And that's a theological argument. In other words, the Bible is very much committed to the idea that that, 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 that angels exist. Jesus made various references to angels, so he obviously thought that angels exist. Now, here's the thing. If that makes you uncomfortable, that, that demons exist, that angels exist, good, good. It is, it, is, it is a good thing if there's something in your faith that is uncomfortable, because it means that you are not making it up yourself. So if you read scripture and you find various doctrines or various ideas that are at odds with your worldview and you're uncomfortable, good. It means that you are not going to church as you would go to a cafeteria and you are building your own little pizza and say, God of love, I love that. Can I have that in the middle, please? Um, Jesus dying for us sounds nice. All right. Can I have a little sprinkling of that? Um, uh, judgment, no, sorry, no judgment, I, I'm judgment intolerant, you know, uh, uh, you, you, you cannot pick and choose your faith, it is revelation, and this is part of, of revelation, so there's such a thing as angels, that is the biblical argument, but I also think it's reasonable <laughs> to believe in angels, do you agree that there are many creatures between us as humans and rocks, Okay, so let's, let's, let's say rocks, and, and sorry if this is rock-phobic, uh, but let's say rocks is pretty much as low as you get in terms of, 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 of sentient life, um, and then you've got everything in between from dogs to cats to mosquitoes to, uh, you know, fill in the blank between us and, uh, and rocks. There are like millions of, maybe that's an exaggeration, I'm not even sure, species. Uh, us and rocks. Now, the gap between us and rocks, it, it's pretty far, but it's not as far as the gap between us and God. Now, is it, therefore, so unthinkable that there would be a whole litany of, of creatures between us and God that he made in the spiritual realm? I think it's reasonable. It's reasonable that, that there's not just something like angels between us and God. Perhaps it's even more. And, and those of you who are into sci-fi, you know, welcome. The Bible is really something that you can embrace. And just allow your mind to go. Don't preach it as gospel truth. But I, I think you are allowed to play with those ideas. All this, there's the spiritual beings between us and um, us and, and, and God. The other thing is, we can understand angels without seeing them. All right? You can understand an angel without, without seeing them. Can you guys imagine the difference between a hexagon and a pentagon? A six-sided figure and a five-sided figure. Can you guys imagine that? Yes, it's not that difficult. Can you see the difference between a hexagon and a pentagon? Yes, you can. Can you see the difference between a 105-sided circle or figure and a 106-sided figure? Can you guys see the difference? But can you understand it? Yes, you can understand it, you can measure it. You can understand the concept, but you, you can't see it. No, angels, maybe they operate like that. It is something that you can understand without seeing it. Angels are fascinating, and they intrigue us. They are mysterious. And for the same reason that we, that we like superheroes, we like angels, because they're weird, they are other also because it's non-human intelligence. So there's a theory, and it's sort of backed up by, I wanna say anecdotal studies, that says that people who are interested in angels are also people who are interested in animals, especially dogs. Why? Because you are interested in non-human intelligence. <laughs> so if you're interested in angels, you can test the theory to see if you are also into into dogs. And the, the reality is, is that you you find you, you find the personality in dogs fascinating, and the, the idea of angels you find it you find it fascinating because it's non-human um, intelligence. The thing why it's the, the reason why it's fascinating as well when we think of angels is because it is re-enchanting this world. We think of this world as very thin. If you if if you listen to um, you know many lecturers. Uh, you know, preaching science to us. They would say that you, know, we, you can only reduce this world to its atoms and molecules or something like that. I didn't really pay attention in, in that class. But the, the fact of the matter is that according to the biblical worldview, no, 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 this, this world is enchanted. We are a little bit like Edmund and Lucy and Peter and Susan who think that they are just in this ordinary big house and they realize, no, 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 there's a wardrobe. And if you go through this wardrobe, you're going to go into a different realm. This world is enchanted. So it is fascinating. Another thing we know about angels is that they are not cuddly and they are not cute. Almost without exception, when an angel appears in the Bible, it starts off with this little preface, do not fear. All right? Angels are actually very annoyed when they appear to humans because it has this unnecessary delay. We we see this in... In Genesis, when, they, when an angel appears to Hagar, we see this uh, in Daniel, we see this with the shepherds, we see this with Mary. When, when, when an angel appears, it's always fear. So they are not cute, and they are not cuddly. Another myth that we need to bust is this. When you die, bad news, you do not become an angel. Okay? That is like saying, when you die, you become a cow. That is not how it works. In Hinduism it is, but in Christianity we say it's a different species, all right? So angels were created and is created as a different species, as humans are created in a different species, and you will have a glorified body, but without wings. Also angels do not have wings, all right? So you can't be jealous of them for for the wings bit. Um, as a matter of fact, we read about these spiritual beings with wings, but they are called the cherubim. They are not angels. So we typically conflate the two, and we think that uh, cherubim, they've got wings, angels, spiritual, weird stuff. I guess angels have wings. That is definitely not what the Bible teach. And you want to know what is the knockdown argument against angelic wings is in Hebrews 13. We're going to look at it in a bit. There's this passage that says, you must always be hospitable because some people, um, unbeknownst, has entertained angels. If they had wings sticking out of their backs, people would know, oh, you're an angel. All right, here's some food. You know, it, it won't be ambiguous. It won't be difficult. All right. So, 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 so the, the pictures that we have of angels is a little bit problematic. As a matter of fact, I would think that you would want to... Um, you you would consider decorating your baby's room with a few angels but in the Bible it's always a very fearsome creature so it it would actually be bad parenting if you if you did it accurately number four angels are messengers that is one of their primary uh, features that is their, their primary task their vocation as a matter of fact that is also what the name angel means it means messenger and it's it's quite fascinating because God has this thing, and I'm, not sure, I'm pretty sure we've referenced it before in this series, has what is called a divine council. They are angelic or spiritual beings around his throne who are aiding him in running the universe. Now that sounds bizarre because God definitely does not need our help or any spiritual being's help. Why would he partner with us and with spiritual beings? Because he wants to. He's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, he's um, uh, omniscient, he's all of those things. But for some reason, he wants us to do this thing with him. So he partners with with angels and with um, all sorts of spiritual beings. And what they often do is they deliver messages between the spiritual realm and our realm. And it is because God wants to reunite these two worlds with each other. And, and and the angels, in that sense, serves as as messengers. Let me say this. This is why it's also very difficult to talk about angels. is because every time in the 288 references to angels in the Bible, it's always incidental. It's never the object of the story. It's never a case of, you know, where it's, it's seldom that there would be a little heading that says um, what we know about angels. Or Paul's teaching on angels. Or, um, you know, the... the, the the, the, the long conversation with the angel. They are always incidental to a story. Um, talking about something that God is doing. Talking about something big that is going to happen. You are going to be pregnant. You must go there. You must hide. You must run. It's <coughs> no COVID, so don't worry about that anymore. Um, it's, it's always uh, incidental to the story. And that's why angels are not the center of our faith. And... And if we are not overfocused on angels, it's not the worst thing in the world. Also, there is no instruction in the Bible that says that we need to seek angels out in, in the sense of, of trying to uh, um, you know, encouraging to look for them or to solicit help from, from, from a particular angel. We're not necessarily encouraged to do that. Something else that we know about angels is that they also fell. There was a, a rebellion that happened in the angelic realm as well as in in our realm and uh it's actually quite quite scary if you think about it in in first corinthians 10:12, paul says this so the one who thinks he is standing should be careful not to fall and what well, is quite startling is the idea that these angels were in the very presence of god and they fell and that makes paul's warning all the more important i think why did they fall angels are not tempted by lust or greed they are not uh, material like us. They were tempted by pride, at least um, Satan and his and his division. They were tempted by pride. They wanted to be number one. And as Catholic philosopher Peter Kraft says, if you want to be number one, you're always going to step in number two. All right. The Eastern Orthodox tradition, by the way, um, they... They seem to think, oh, this is tradition, this is not something that we need to, uh, um, th- we, we must take this with a, with a pinch of salt. They, they claim that the reason why the angels rebelled is because when God revealed his plan to become human, when he revealed his plan to, to become, be, become uh, you know, incarnate into human form, the, the angels were upset with that and rebelled. Because why would God not become an angel? Because that's a superior being. Why is he? Why would he become a human? It's just tradition, but it is worth a, a thought. What else do angels do? They minister to us. In Hebrews one verse fourteen, we read this: Are they not all ministering, ministering spirits sent out to uh, to uh, sorry sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit sal- to, who are to inherit salvation? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are inherit um, are to inherit salvation now it would seem that angels are particularly interested in spiritual warfare and they rejoice at every conversion that 's why we've got that 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 lovely uh, verse in in Luke fifteen that says um, When when the prodigal returns, I think it's the the lost sheep, it says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. So they are very excited about spiritual warfare, and whenever whenever there's one sinner who repents, there's a party in, in heaven. Angels like singing. I think we know that about them. They are continually praising God, and I think... Why is because <laughs> uh, w- it's easy to talk about God. We call that theology. We like to do that sometimes. We talk about God. It's, it's, it's slightly more difficult, but also um, not impossible to talk to God. We call that prayer. But sometimes an experience is so big, it's so overwhelming, that you cannot talk about it or even just talk to it. The only appropriate response is, is something other. It's something It, it can be embraced it can be song. So for example, if there's a massive tornado hitting a church and you can literally see cars and people flying in it, I'm not going to stand next to James and say, um, is this your first tornado? Have you seen one before? We're not going to talk about the, the tornado. You, you are overwhelmed by it. You're going to do something else. In the same way, if you haven't seen your, your lost lover for a couple of months and you reunite at the airport, then it would be ill-advised to immediately when they walk out just say, Hi, how are you doing? How was the flight? Um, it's, it's too big. It's, it's only embrace that can try and capture that. And that's why I think angels cannot help themselves but to sing because they are in the presence of, of God and it is just absolutely overwhelming. And uh, most of the time that singing happens in heaven, but at least once it happened on earth. And that happened in Luke 2, verse 13 to 14, when uh, the, 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 there was just angels all of a sudden next to the shepherds singing glory to God. Now, for me, these are some of the activities of angels. But for me, the main message of angels is something else, and that is that the world is not thin. The world is not thin, uh, the, the, the world is not just reduced to its, to its particles. Uh, it's not a case of, of we, what is that Dawkins quote, um, DNA just is and we dance to its music. The universe neither cares, knows nor cares. Angels tells us a different story. It says that the world is not thin. It means that this world is soaked in meaning and significance. And you can see subtle references to this. Because I think it is, it is very easy for us to just t- to get locked up into this world and just look into it and, and not see it for what it truly is. It's a little bit like the servant of Elisha um, in the second, uh, second book, uh, second Kings, um, that is surrounded by enemies. And then Elisha just says, Lord, open his eyes. And then when he opens his eyes, he sees the chariots of fire, the famous chariots of fire. And I think we also struggle with that. So... Let's just look at a couple of examples of how, I think, an understanding of the spiritual realm and how it interacts with us re the world. Firstly, we already talked about it, Hebrews 13, verse 2. It's a very famous line that says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for therefore some have entertained angels unawares. What the Hebrews writer is doing here is he's basically telling us that you can never be blasé about hospitality. You can never just, you know, I don't know, look at somebody who comes into the church and maybe he's a bit smelly. Maybe he hasn't, you know, maybe he's a bit of a bum. And, and what, he, what the writers of, of Hebrews is, is whispering in our ear, what the biblical worldview is whispering in our ear, says, that can be an angel. You better, you better take care of that person that person has has value, and yes, we know that person has value based that, that, that he or she is created in the image of God, um, but it just adds this extra enchantment to the whole experience of life there 's a, a very famous um, company uh, maybe i, I 'm not going to mention them, and for a long time they supported our our various activities whether it was race talks or, or other stuff and they just gave us a lump sum monthly and they're very big I'm talking about billions of rands that they that they administer and I had a friend there and he was sort of I don't know a COO or MD or something high up but but not as high as it goes and I went to visit him and he had this flashy apartment, not apartment, um, uh, office and I went to visit him and uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily that flashy fashion wise and I went there with my slops and and sat and they've got these comfortable chairs. I couldn't wait to visit them. Uh, just sit back into the sofa. It just hugs you and um, and then this lady comes to me. She calls me sir, which is so cool and uh, she takes my order and they make cappuccino that's better than anything that you can get in a restaurant. Even made me a little picture on it. And I was drinking it, and it was just so great. And here I am, I know one of the big shots in the company. And I had my one foot on the coffee table, and I was drinking my cappuccino, and it was quite lacquer. And we were chatting, and I think he, he, he likes me, and he allowed me to, to be comfortable. And the next moment, this sort of timid-looking guy walks in. And he, he must be an intern or something like that. And, uh, and, he's, and, and And this friend of mine introduces me to him but I'm super comfortable. I, I really can't get up at this point. So I just give him this hand, this sort of high five. How are you doing, man? Like a um, cool, so, so you also work here? Yeah, okay, great, like a, well, um, please tell the cappuccino lady that she's doing a great job because it's, it's really like a, and he's like, nice, okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Walks out and um, and Goucher, I can see my friend, he's a little bit rattled. And he says, um, yeah, that's the CEO of the, of the company. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm just aware of the stains on my shirt, uh, aware of my slops. I, I sit up straight and I'm like, oh, man, I really butchered that, didn't I? Um, because this guy is giving us money. He's giving us a lot of money. Um, and he's, he's running this this multi-billion, um, you know, rand company. And here I am, and I am just, you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of, I, I'm, I, I can't look at him and think, and this guy is, is very important because he really didn't look super important so i remained seated now as silly as that is i think there's there's something of that that the bible wishes us to see in all of life that it doesn't matter who walks in forget about a stupid south african ceo um it could be an angel it could be a spiritual being it could be somebody who stands in the presence of god and you ought to show hospitality can you see how that just ups the ante when it comes to hospitality. Can you see how that just makes um, life just a little bit more interesting? Secondly, it seems like we are being watched. <laughs> now, I know I'm paranoid, but but just hear me out. So in First Timothy 5, Paul is talking about mundane church stuff, mundane church stuff. And then in verse 21, he, I'm paraphrasing, but he's saying... Look, first of all, he says, um, look, you guys, you shouldn't have lazy people just milking the church, but be careful of that. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. You must pay people who do that. Um, very domestic type stuff that he's dealing with. And then he just drops this, ver- this verse 21. And he says, um, you are doing church in the presence of angels. Doing church in the presence of angels. Now, it's, it's very difficult for us to think of, of, of what we do here as in the presence of angels. Maybe if we had a very nice Catholic cathedral, it would have been a little bit easier. But as things stand, we've got lovely flags. Um, and uh, we, uh, we we hear, and it's about setting up coffee stations. It's about washing cups later. You have guys packing out chairs. Um, then you have people that are slightly annoying, who you know are not angels. They are not strangers to you. And it's not necessarily, necessarily somebody that you want to spend a lot of time with. Um, and, and yet you do, you try and interact with them um, a little bit, and you don't think that this is something that angels are looking into. But it would appear that we have, we have an audience of, of sorts. Something else that, I, that, that, that that is quite bizarre is that we cannot write people off. We cannot give up on people, and we cannot write... Um, we cannot write people off. But before, before I go there, maybe let me just say this thing in terms of we are being watched. Uh, I, I've jogged before in my life, I promise. And uh, especially when I used to jog back home in a, in a small town, I would jog, and I'm not a fast jogger, so I've got a very slow pace, all right? I just do something, and I feel a little bit better about myself. And I jog. But then every now and then, I see another jogger approaching, and then I pull in my tummy and I pick up my pace, all right? Because I can see, they see me, especially if it's a girl and it looks like she's a little bit quicker than me or like there's better posture. All of a sudden my posture just changes and I, I just look a little bit more um, assertive and uh, uh, yeah, four kilometers an hour, how's it? Okay. And then as soon as she's passed me, like 100, 150 meters, oh God, there we go. This is, this is where I'm home. And... The, the reality is, is that my posture changes, everything changes when I know that I'm being watched, all right? It, it, it used to work also when a car drove past me, but in the city it doesn't work, so I've, I've just sort of given up on that. But uh, the, the point is, if we know that we are, we are being watched, then and this world is just somewhat more enchanted, then, all of a sudden, our posture changes. then the way we are supposed to do church is supposed to change. Are you guys with me? Do you guys understand at least this this concept all right the The third point that I think is quite important is we cannot give up on people and we cannot we cannot sideline people There is this bizarre line that magically appeared into Bibles just this week it it, it, it didn't it wasn 't in uh, in any Bible translation, up until this point. Um, and then this week I read it for the first time. In Matthew 18, verse 10. So it looks like Jesus is teaching them that very famous story about who's the greatest, and then he calls a child and he says, um, Anyone who hinders him, you know, will, it, it will be better for him, uh, you know, to have that, uh, you know, the millstone around his neck, etc., etc. And then it goes on about temptations and sin. And then he says in verse 10, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What? See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. By the way... Catholics, uh, mainly because they, they base a lot of their, their theology on Thomas Aquinas, uh, is convinced that we all have guardian angels, and they use this passage as proof text for that. And I can see how they can get there. Whether it's a guardian angel or not, what I can tell you is that it seems pretty obvious to me that irrespective of how these disciples treat Lost sheep, or people who are straight. Maybe they are not. um They are new believers. Maybe uh, they, they they are struggling to keep up with with everything that is holy. Whatever the case may be, uh, I, I think it's clear that Jesus is saying you 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 cannot just write these people off. You cannot just be dismissive to them. Don't you know that they have representation in heaven? That is quite startling, is it not? I mean, it's easy for us to want to write somebody off, but it seems like. Like, like like every person has spiritual representation. It is quite, it is quite bizarre. Then there's this, this, this passage in, in 1 Corinthians 6 where believers are fighting each other in church. And I mean Corinth was a bit of a mess. And uh, this is what Paul is saying. When you have grievances against one another, this is 1 Corinthians 6, verse 1, to 3. And by the way, my apologies. There's, there's no like, one passage that you can really do a at, at, at sermon on, on angels. So we are a little bit all over the place. Um, he says here, when one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to go to, a law bef- go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So what's going on is... They are fighting each other in church about trivial cases. This believer owes this believer money because at the previous communion, you know, he, he took a bottle of wine, didn't give it back, or you know, whatever the case may be. And now they are taking each other to the Corinthian uh, Roman courts. And Paul is absolutely outraged. And he just drops this one line, but it is an atom bomb. He says, how can you guys do that? Don't you know that you are supposed to judge angels one day? What? That is, that is insane. Saying, you are supposed to be practicing now. You are supposed to be people who can, you can steward what has been given to you. Who can sort out petty conflict. Because what awaits you in the, in, in the world you're after, and, and what I mean by that is when heaven and earth meet, is going to be massive. You are going to be in charge of angels. Angels, by the way, that are significantly more that are superior to us in, in almost every shape and form, you will, you will judge them. I think the only way how that can make sense, uh, that, that, that humans will, will be in charge of whole cities, I mean, uh, that, that happens right now, that, that believers will be in charge of, of whole cities and in, in charge of uh, um, angels and whatnot, is if it's a little bit like Lord of the Rings. And I think you can trust the hobbits to rule the elves because they know they suck. Um, and this, you know, they, they, they can you know, pitch up with their hairy feet. Okay, what do you think? Okay, maybe you guys should go that direction, I don't know. You can rule it because you're gonna come from a place of humility and um, th- there's no way that you cannot be humble if you're a human in the face of an angel. But don't write that down, that is, uh, that, that is for free. So the, the fact of the matter is, it seems like our destiny is this bizarre, enchanted um, uh, future, and it must have a huge effect on how we operate right now. We cannot continue the way we are continuing if that is our future. The last thing that, that we need to say is this, that we, we need angels to know who we are in the same way that we need animals. You see, humans are—we're uh, are, interesting in this in the sense that we are a hybrid of sorts. We are the smartest animal and the stupidest angel. We are the highest body, but the lowest mind. So we are a hybrid between the spiritual world and the physical world. We are both spiritual and physical, and we must be careful of two opposite dangers. The one is animalism. Animalism is if we think we are just animals, and our sexual and our, our greed and all of our appetites, it's just natural and we must just obey it. That would be animalism. Angelism is this idea that, uh, that one can loosely base on, on Platonism, which is that we need to escape this world and everything that is bad is physical, and one day in the spiritual realm everything will be okay. But we need to be reminded of the fact that we've got this incredible calling in the Bible that heaven and earth that was split apart in in the Garden of Eden when when sin came in, that we are part of this team that is supposed to reunite heaven and earth. In other words, the physical and the spiritual is supposed to overlap and unite. They are supposed to be a marriage between the two. And that's what Revelations is all about. It's very excited about heaven and earth coming together that's why in the lord's prayer we do not pray um our father who art in heaven let us go to thy kingdom we pray let thy kingdom come so so that world must come down here we must not disappear up there all right and for the longest time humans were stuck as animals down here and we behaved as such but jesus came as a hybrid, as the ultimate hybrid. Because not only is he this a spiritual being, he is the creator of spiritual beings. He is the creator of the spiritual realm. And he exists there. And he enters our world. But he doesn't enter our world as an angel would, disguised as a human. He becomes fully human. Like, I'm not sure, I've, I've been at least at one birth, and it's messy. You know, it is... There's, there's nothing romantic about it, and it's not at all like in Friends. Uh, it, it's totally different. Uh, it, it's, and and, and what, we, what we learn is that, that the God of the universe chose that demeaning entrance into this world. And then he was raised and he experienced everything that we experienced. And somehow through his death and resurrection, he marries these two worlds, the spiritual world and the physical world. And it is the beginning of this great movement. And we who belong to God are considered part of this new humanity. And one day, when um, with, with, with the final resurrection from the dead, we will have our glorified bodies. And, um, and heaven and earth will finally meet in this great procession. And it, would be, it will be super, super exciting. The fact of the matter is, friends, that already now we can start to bring those two worlds together. We can bring the spiritual world down here. And it's not by you know, having large amounts of olive oil or, or water from the, from the Jordan River or, or something like that. It is by practicing the life of Jesus it is, for example, showing hospitality. It is not giving up on people. It is being a model to the world how we should deal with our differences in a community like this. Because we've got this massive audience. It is super, it's of super importance what we are doing here. And through this, you see this marriage between heaven and earth. So friends, we cannot believe this nonsense that this world is thin. That... Uh, That this is all there is no 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 the world is rich um there's there's a spiritual realm that is even more alive than than we are let's pray lord jesus we we want to thank you that you uh even though there was this rebellion rebellion among angels rebellion among humans that, that you did not give up on this great marriage between heaven and earth, ah, lord we we want to thank you that that ultimately we are not <laughs> we are not caught in this closed world in which uh, in which this is all there is, and nobody is watching. We are not at the mercy of nihilism, but that this world is very meaningful and rich. And that there's this spiritual dimension that if we had eyes to see, we would shiver. Help us to see these things, Lord. Help us to be reminded of it. Help us to live our lives accordingly. Whether it is in terms of how we do church, whether it is in terms of hospitality, whether it is in terms of how we see other people. Whatever the case may be, Lord, I pray that we will have a sense of an enchanted universe around us that we would live in the enchanted universe of the bible and not in the mundane universe of our daily newspapers but i pray that we will in our lives and as a community also bring a little bit of what is up there down here and we can only do it lord because you started this great movement by becoming the by becoming this bridge between the spiritual realm and humanity, that, that chasm that, that was created because of our sin and the fall. I thank you that you are incorporating us into this great project of uniting the two. Help us to be reminded of that, Lord, and to have a real sense of vocation and purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.